0: Ephesians chapter 6. Bill Bright said something very interesting. Some of you may have been affected by Campus Crusade. He was a founder. Coming to Christ will not end your problems. Can I get a witness if you agree with that? But Christ will help you through them. Can I get a witness in the house? Isn't it wonderful to know that? Thank God for that. It's not going to end our problems. But we have someone to go through our problems with us. Whenever you read the book of Ephesians, you start out in chapter 1, of course. And as you're reading through Ephesians, you get down to verse 18, 19, and 20. And you begin to read there about the power of God. And all of us believe that God is more powerful than we are. All of us believe God has incredible power. But it really makes it clear to us that he has really, really super incredible power. The idea and the theme of power doesn't stop with chapter 1, but he continues on talking about life and life journey and all the happenings and relationships and all of that. When he comes down to Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians chapter 6, he then begins to echo and remind us about this idea of power, God's power. And he's talking about this, in all your life, you're going to need God's power. God's power is available for you in chapter 1. Throughout all of the experiences you will have in all the other chapters, and in chapter six, whatever happens at the end of your life, you've still got God's power available to you. How many of you know that in this world we're living in right now, if you're going to live a victorious Christian life, you need something more than just yourself. We need God to help us supernaturally intervene for us and to provide for us the strength, the courage to make the decisions we must make in order to live the life we are called to live, following Him. And so the apostle gives to us the instructions, the church at Ephesus, he gives to us four insights, four instructions that he says, I want you to remember these things. And as you remember them, put them into application. And as you remember and apply them, God is going to provide for you a victory. Everybody say victory. God is going to provide for us a victory. First thing he says, be strong in God's power. Look at verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. In another place the apostle was writing, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, and it says there, he says, I can do all things. He sounds quite self-centered, quite narcissistic, quite impressed with himself. But you didn't read the rest of the verse if you stop there and think that. He said, I can do all things through Christ. That's everything I'm called to do in my life. I can do all things through Christ. Who I love this. Who gives me the strength? He gives me the strength, and I can do what I'm called to do. The assignment tomorrow, you can do it. The task you have ahead of you this week, you can do it. To resist the evil that would come against you, you can do it. To raise a family in this culture, you can do it. To make decisions that reflect God and his holiness, you can do it. You can do it, he says. So how are we going to have God's power in us? Of course, we open our life to him. We admit our need to him. We invite him in as our savior to forgive our sins. And we admit in a very humble way, we need you. You know, sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? We come from a pretty pretty strong culture. You come from very, very family rich traditions, many of you. And you have a lot of rich, rich heritage that has been given to you, many from a German or a Dutch type tradition, and you're taught to be self-made, and you're taught to do everything you can for yourself, and you do that, and you're doing great for yourself in many ways. But when it comes to standing against Satan or the evil that he would give to us, we are absolutely in and of ourselves no match for him. And so he says, I want you to plug into the strength that is beyond yourself, the strength that is greater than you, the strength that is available to you, and the strength that will carry you through. He says, I want you to be able to do this. And you can do this. How do we do it? Jesus in the garden, he prayed. Each one of us has the opportunity to pray. You're not charged by the minute. You will not get a bill at the end of the month. God does not play that way. Free prayer line to heaven. You can pray anytime, place. Notice what it says in verse 18 of chapter 5, or chapter 6. It says, pray with all kinds of requests. You can pray about anything. And in verse 19, he says, please pray for me. Please pray for me. That's a person who understands he needs God's strength, God's power. And I would say to you, please pray for me, and thank you for praying for the pastors and their families, and thank you for praying one for another, and thank you for praying for the requests around you. And let me say this, thank you for praying for yourself. Sometimes you may feel like you be the only person on earth praying for you. Pray for yourself. It's okay to do that, and make your requests known to God. Getting in the Word of God is another way that we find the power of God. It is a strength of God. When Jesus was tempted, Matthew chapter 4 records, when he's tempted, he quotes the scripture. He quotes the scripture back to Satan when Satan would come and want him to give up his power too soon or to take on power without the cross. He says, no, it is written, it is written, it is written. He says it three different times. He says, it is written. And we can take the scripture up in our life. And really, the only way we're going to know the scripture is to open the Bible. And if you can't read, you can listen to audio. And if you can read, there are so many translations. You can get them on your phone. You can download them onto your computer. You can get them in your hands. as a Bible. I have a bunch of translations, and I get the ones with the little footnotes, but there's nothing like reading the Scripture. Because when we read the scripture, it comes alive in our heart. God just has a way of doing that. And a lot of times you read something and you say, I read that before. But you're reading it now and all of a sudden from where you are in life now, it really speaks out to you and announces itself and says, here I am. You need me here. I'm ready for you after service. And this verse of scripture is the one that powers you through the very day that you're called to live. Can I get a witness somewhere in this house today? Oh, that's amazing. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8 says it this way. The Lord is speaking. He says, you have little strength. You only have a little strength. So he acknowledges our limitations. He says, you only have a little strength. But what did he say? He continues on and says, you have kept my word. You kept my word. How do you know his word? By getting into his word and learning his word. Moments like this, small groups, Sunday schools and things like that by getting in. And then songs of the faith. I don't know about you, but I've got the Sirius XM channels. Got it in my car, got it in Pam's car, got it in the house. And we talked to that thing and asked it to play certain kinds of music. Sometimes I'm going along and I like to listen to the escape channel. You ever listen to the escape channel? You just want to escape. Well, the escape channel is elevator music. La, da, 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 da. Be careful if you're driving and listening to that one. Oh, yeah, a hint to the wise. Once in a while, I like to listen to country music. My fellow Missourian over here knows that you can't go anywhere out in Missouri without hearing a little country music. And so I like to listen to that sometimes, just turn that on or forget it. You know, one of my favorite songs, you prop me up beside the jukebox when I'm gone. That's one of my favorite ones. It's so dumb. <laughs> but I don't really like country music. I grew up, I'd sometimes turn on the Enlightened Channel. You know what the Enlightened Channel? Enlighten the Southern Gospel. You know, Southern Gospel will get you saved and get you to heaven. doesn't do much for you between, but it does get you saved and get you to heaven. So it doesn't do much for you between. So I kind of grew through Southern Gospel music a little bit. I still like a little bit. but um, So once in a while, I hit I got it saved on my thing. Pam put it on there, so she must like it. So it's on, on there, even in the car I drive. So it's in there too. I like to listen to the message. The Message Channel. of you ever listened to that one? Message Channel, if you listen to that, you get Goki and, you know, all the songs, the stuff we sing here. Listen to the Message. Sometimes I like to listen to FM Channel. FM Channel. 88.9, 939, 107.5.5. And you know, I listen to, to W-I-N, all those stuff, and listen to them out of Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and hear some of your names. Sometimes you call in, hey, this is so-and-so, and, you know, I hear your name. I think, oh, don't confess your sins out loud now. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm t- but, uh, you know, so I like to listen to the music. and You know why I listen to that? It lifts my spirit. Some of those songs are so rich in Scripture. If you understand the background of those Scriptures, like at the Thursday night, we're going to come together, and we're going to learn... Uh, we're going to sing a lot of songs we know. You can stand there and sing with your eyes closed if you want to. But we're going we're gonna to learn the song, Rattle. I love that song. And Rattle takes you through uh, the dry bones coming back to life. You, you heard that? <clears throat> it's a good one. And uh, I like that. It, it's, really, it's really something, but it lifts the spirits. Notice what he says here. Be strong in the Lord. There's so many avenues of strength that we have, like gathering here today. Look around you. You're not the only one. This week you may have been burdened, tempted, distracted, distressed, thinking you're the only one. There are several hundred people in this room right here, right now. And I thank God for this. And in His mighty power, verse 10 says, He established creation. He raised Jesus from the dead, chapter 1 says. Chapter 2, He is a power that has made us alive in Christ. Chapter 3 says, He is a spirit that is at work presently within you. No wonder the psalmist said, sing this song. Psalm 46, 1. God is Our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Paul wrote it this way in Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing everyone in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your heart to the Lord. You don't even have to be a good singer to be able to sing. And the second thing he says, I want you to be prepared for Satan's attacks. Be prepared for Satan's attack. Now, Paul is a prisoner So he looks at the soldiers around him and he understands the culture around him and he knows that the people would understand soldiers. So he gives this analogy. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to put on the armor of God. This is designed for you. This has worked through the centuries. This has worked as God's armor on God's people to protect God's people. And you notice the armor of God does not have a back on it because we're not planning on retreating. We're planning on winning. Can I get a witness in the house? So we know full well that the visible army of believers and that the invisible army of believers stand strong. And it says here, put on, listen to this, put on the full armor of God. It covers every part of your essential organs. Listen to this. Put on the full armor of God. He says, if you put on the full armor of God, you're going to be able to withstand the wiles, the schemes of the devil. Now, he says, if you're just going to put on a partial armor of God, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to stand against the devil. But he says, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand against the devil when he comes at you. This is absolutely powerful. Now, I believe in taking my children to church when they were little, and so Pam and I did. We said to our kids, it'll never be a decision you make. As long as you live with us, we will go to church, and our house will go to church. That's what we do. And that's how we roll. And so they agreed with that, and they understood that, and they knew if they were going to keep feeding at my trough, they would be going to church, period. Would be ha- so anyway, that's what's happened in my house growing up. And so we took them to church, and they began to learn different things about the Lord, and as you do, you know, go to Sunday school, or, and like tonight's youth at 6, uh, six o'clock here, and, and, and uh, youth from 6 to 7, 15, and kids' ministry tonight is going to be meaningful and, and good. Don't miss it. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We take our kids. Well, you always wonder, are they getting anything out of it? Are they learning? Are they picking up what is being put down? You hope they are, right? That's why you take them. You don't want to just waste their time or yours. So you're taking them and you wonder, how you getting this? Well, uh, my kids were little. We lived over in Katasaqua, pastored over in Bethlehem. And uh, they would ride around their bicycles and trikes in our neighborhood. And so there's a picture of them when they were little. That's headache, hemorrhoid, and hernia. Uh, no. <clears throat> No, that was uh, Andrea first, and then Andrew in the red shirt, Anthony, sitting on the trike there. No helmet. That's what's wrong with you. Wow. Maybe that's what's right with you. We should have put that picture back up there. Don't take it down. I'm not through. Uh, Anyway, thank you. (laughs) We'll leave it there for a minute. Uh, So you're taking the kids to church. I haven't forgotten where I am. Have you? No, I haven't. They're in the neighborhood. So we take them to church so they learn. We don't know what they learn, right? I mean, how much are picking up? So my daughter was playing with a neighbor girl across the street. Now, we had some boys in the neighborhood who are bigger, older. They're like 10, 12, 13, whatever. They ride around the neighborhood. And they would say to my kids, uh, most of the time my kids were in the backyard. We had a fenced-in backyard and all that. But anyway, they would say to our kids, go to bed, take a nap. You know, little kids don't like to hear that, right? That's the thing they don't. That's kryptonite to a little kid. I don't want to do that. So they didn't like it. Now, are they picking up anything at church? My daughter and her friend, Corinne, they run in the house, grab the Precious Moments Bible, run outside, it's hers, run outside and chase the neighbor boys on their bike to try to hit them. (laughs) Talk about Bible thumpers. I didn't know we were raising Bible thumpers. Sheesh. It was amazing. Why in the world would you try to hit the neighbor boys with that? Well, when we went to church, we heard about the armor of God, and they said the Bible is a sword. Of the Spirit. And we went over to hit the neighbor boys with the sword. I hope you're getting something out of this message today. I love Isaiah 54. I quote it often. And no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. That is the heritage of the Lord's servants. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Put that verse somewhere where you can get a hold of it quick. Third thing he says to him, verses 11 and 12, be aware of Satan's methods. Be aware of the devil's schemes. It comes from a word, methodized. And that, would, that just simply means his methods, his strategies that he would roll out against you. To Eve, he came like a believable, conversant animal. We can't imagine that, but in the garden you could. He, she, she had that encounter. It was an angel of light to her. To Peter, it's a roaring lion. To the prodigal son, Satan comes to him as a deceiver. To Delilah and Samson, comes as a subtle person, as a sly person. To Job, he comes with complete chaos in his home, as if he were a weed eater in a flower patch, just mowing the flowers down. But I want to say something that's going to delve a little bit deeper into our minds. Some of you are going to thank me for this. Someday along the way you're going to thank me for this. Because we have had things happen in our lives, and all Satan wants to do, listen to me, all Satan wants to do is just get you really distracted and off course. That's what he really wants to do. He kind of wants to gut you and leave the rest of you. He wants to just, he wants to just take off your feet and just take you down to where he just gets you to where you're so distracted and so distressed you can hardly live your life and you definitely can't live it out in victory it would seem, you're overwhelmed that's what he wants to do he has come to kill and to destroy and to deceive that's what the scripture says he comes to do And so with him coming to seek to do that and in our culture where we need to be aware of the the ways that he comes at us, one of the ways he comes at many of us as we've been sitting in our homes COVID bound in 2020 and coming out into the sunshine later, one of the biggest things that happens to us is this, we've had something either happen to us or something that we have done in our past that remains a chain that inhibits us from moving into our future. Follow me, follow me. You go into a church setting and some of you heard, you got to forgive, you got to forgive, you got to forgive. Well, it's true we need to forgive. But we try to jump ahead and forgive without processing. You need to process in order to forgive in a healthy way. You don't just jump ahead and just forgive, though we do that. We don't just jump ahead and forgive without processing because here's the deal. To process, you're going to need somebody else to listen to you Someone else to help you wipe your tears. Someone else to help you wipe your anger away. To process through that and allow you without judging you and help coach you toward health. And as you're going through that process, you begin to forgive them. And you become a whole person on the other side of that. Instead of a person who covers up what happened, try to forgive them and go on with your life. And never understand what I do with these feelings that I have because I can't deal with these feelings that I have. They did it on me. We need this. That's good preaching and I will not charge you for that therapy. I just saved you 10 years in the counseling room. (laughs) Be aware of Satan's abilities. Look at verse 12. He touches this dark world. Our world right now is so crazy, so crazy that wrong seems right. In the minds of people who have the microphone of life. Talking heads all around. Talk all day and have to make it sensational. And it seems like they're embracing everything that is godless. To the point. To the point that it drives a normal person nuts. You got to turn it off sometimes. And turn on some good music of the faith and get your Bible and read a scripture passage and get away from that kind of stuff sometimes. He touches in the heavenly realms. I don't fully understand this. I'm just going to tell you I don't fully understand this. I understand it some though when I read Job chapter 1 and 2 because Job could not see the the unseen world. He only sees what is. He knows his wife, his, his kids. He knows his business. He knows where he is. He knows all of that but he cannot see into the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, there is a conversation that takes place in heaven. And the conversation that takes place in heaven, just outside of his view, just outside of his understanding, is this. Satan comes before God the Father and says, if you would just let me touch Job, he'll give up. And eventually the conversations go like this, to where it comes down to where where God finally says to him, Job, you can touch uh, Satan, you can touch Job's life, but you cannot take his life. There's a great message in what I just said. Here it is. You may not know what's going on in your life. There may have been a conversation just beyond your view. And you're living out the reality of the conversation that is invisible to you. If you're tracking, say yes. Yes. Here's the other part of that. Did you notice that Satan had limits? You will never be given more than you can handle, but what he will provide, God will provide a way of escape. Nudge your neighbor and say, you're going to win. Just nudge him. Go ahead and nudge him. Just tell him you're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. You trust in God. You're going to win. Oh, yeah, we're going to die in this life. We're going to have something happen to us. Yeah, we know that, but eventually, but you're going to win in the end. It's going to happen in the end. Can I get a witness in the house? Man, I feel like shouting hallelujah on that. Good grief. It says... It says to us here that we are to to resist him and to know his powers in verse 12. You remember in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45, David is going up against Goliath. Sometimes you may feel like you're going up against Goliath. You come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. That's all of the earthly weaponry that would be imagined. You come to me with all of that stuff. David didn't minimize it, but he said, you come to me with that. That's the best you've got. Now, he doesn't say, I come to you in the name of my dad. I come to you in the name of my brothers. They were all chicken little. He didn't want to do that. I come to you in the name of Saul, who is a king. He wanted to give me some armor. No, he doesn't do that. But do you notice what he says to him? Look what he says to him. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, he's given all these descriptors, the God of the armies of Israel. ho. Oh, I love it when this happens. This is absolutely powerful. Anthony Evans said his brother was going up against a three-time state champion wrestler who was 35 pounds bigger than he, and he was being interviewed by a reporter and said, what makes you think you can have success against this guy? He says, Well, he may be bigger than me. He may be stronger than me. He may, may, may weigh more than me. But he said, I have been studying his methods, and I know his methods. And ladies and gentlemen, Satan is more, for, more than we can handle on our own. But with God, we know we're going to be able to make it. Now look forth at this. He says, Remember, God offers us victory. Remember God offers us victory. Verse 11 through 13 talks about it. Verse 11, it says, stand. That's a military term. Some of you have been in the military. You understand what that's saying. Resist the enemy. Hold your position. Offer no surrender. There is no partial retreat. There is no partial negotiation. Satan, I am not going to do this. I'm going to resist. And in resisting you, I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to do this. In verse 13, it says, Stand when the evil day comes. The evil day is here. It's time to stand, he says. I want you to stand. I want you to stand against the enormous turbulence of your life. And the scripture says in James chapter 4 and verse 7, submit to God. That's humble yourself to God. You're not all that in a box of crackers. So go before God and say to him, here I am. There you are. There's Satan. Here's the offer. Be with me, Lord. I need you. Without you, I can do nothing. But with you, I can do it. I can make it. And Jesus quoted the scripture against Satan, and Satan left him. You and I can resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Because it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's why I said to you all ago, if you want a victory, you can have a victory. Because God is providing a victory for every one of us in this room. It doesn't matter who you are. God is ready to provide a victory for you. Some of you have been through some stuff, but you have come through that stuff. Through is the optimal word there. You have gone through some stuff, and God is with you as you've come out on the other side, and you know full well you have built a testimony when you have come through because you, like Job, can stand there and say, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. And though he slay me, yet I will serve him. I'm not going to give in, and like Bill Borden, no reserve, no regret, no retreat. God, I'm all for you. No matter what happens to me, I'm all for you. This is powerful stuff. So Ephesians six thirteen says this: "Put on the armor of God, the armor that God gives you. It fits you. Then when the evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. You're going to win. You're going to win. And I want to land this with a story I've shared." In the past, but I want to share it because it fits so well and can be helpful to you today. It is this in South Florida, a mother was in her house. She looks at her son who is headed down toward a pond. He's right by the deck, he's headed toward the deck. She sees what he can't see. She sees the alligator. The little guy is running toward the deck the alligator is coming toward the boy she takes out of her house as fast as she can go and runs down and just as she grabs a hold of the arms of the boy the gator grabs a hold of the legs of the boy they're screaming and yelling what would you have done finally it catches a passerby's attention he had a gun with him you see, I believe in the right to carry. He had a. <laughs> there are a lot of gators in Pennsylvania, and you've got to watch it. <laughs> and he, he came over to where that incident was occurring, and he shot the gator and saved the boy's life. The boy had to be taken to the hospital. They quickly got him there. He is really, really in pain, he's really hurting, he's damaged. He would be in the hospital for several weeks to recover. Finally, after several weeks have passed, they let a reporter come into the room. The reporter comes in and says to the little boy, says, could I, could I see the scars on your legs? And the little boy pulls his blankets over and his gown to where they could see the scars and they're, oh, wow. And then a little boy said, "But you ought to see the scars on my arm, where my mom had a hold of me." took off his shirt. Some of you had the gator grabbing hold of your legs, but I want to tell you there's somebody else got a hold of your arms, and he'll pull you through. He will pull you out, and you will win. You are more than a conqueror through him. Who loves you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The temptation at the office, the distraction on the job, whatever I'm facing in the schoolroom, whatever's going on in my family, however my kids are living, whatever my spouse is deciding, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. I'm going with him. So I'm going to see a victory. Are you going to see a victory? Let's see a victory. Lord Jesus, in your name right now, with all that has come against all of your people all over the world in this last year. Lord, I pray that you would stand by us just as you did the three Hebrew boys in the fire. You would stand with us as you did with Daniel in the den. You would stand with us like you did Paul in the prison. You would stand with us when the beatings would come. Lord, you would stand with us when we're tempted and distracted by Satan with all he would throw at us. We thank you that we're more than conquerors through you. And if you took a cross, Lord, we know it may not always be easy for us, but Lord, make us strong when the evil day comes that we will stand. And having done all to stand, help us to stand with all of your armor on because it works wonders in Christ's name.